how many of you guys experience God leading you or speaking to you on a regular basis? How many of you guys would like to hear from God on a regular basis? So let me tell you a story about a six-year-old boy named Johnny who went to the fair with his family. They were having a great time eating all the crazy foods and, and riding the rides that looked like they could fall apart at any minute, right? Then all of a sudden, the fun ended when Johnny got separated from his parents in the crowd. If you're a parent, your heart probably just dropped in your stomach because you know that feeling all too well. And if you're not a parent, I'm sure you can imagine what that would feel like. It's terrible when you lose, even in your own house. Where's my kid? Well, luckily, Johnny's parents spotted him in the distance and started to yell his name, but the the crowd was too thick, so Johnny couldn't hear him. So they kept fighting through the crowd, inching their way closer and closer to Johnny, all the while shouting out his name, but... Johnny just couldn't hear. Then all of a sudden, something amazing happened. The crowd went silent. And all Johnny's parents had to do was say, Hey, Johnny, come here. And they were reunited again. So you've probably already guessed it, but this story illustrates our ability or our inability to hear from God. God's trying to get our attention, but we can't hear it because of all the distractions. The TV's always on. The phones are always in our hands. We have a never-ending hustle of activity work, kids' activities, sports. We're moving blindly around in the noise, wondering where God is, and he's been shouting our name the whole time. We just can't hear him. It may seem like God is silent. Maybe he talks to others, but he doesn't talk to you. But that's not the issue at all. The problem is we're not listening. But don't let this revelation be discouraging. Let it be encouraging, because if God wasn't talking, you couldn't do anything about that. But now that you know that he is talking, all you have to do is learn how to listen. Check out this scripture. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. This is our foundational scripture for this series. And then Jesus tells us a story in Luke 8 that does an amazing job illustrating three different things that keep us from hearing the voice of God. So let's read through that. A farmer went out to plant a seed. And he scattered it across the field. Some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it up. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns or weeds that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. So you may be wondering what a farmer has to do with hearing the voice of God. Well, Jesus spells it out for us a few verses down. By the way, it's Jesus that was telling us this story. He says, here's the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. So in other words, there are three different things happening to God's word in your life. Number one, God's word is getting stepped on and taken away from you. Number two, God's word quickly disappears in your life because it's not rooted. And number three, God's word is choked out by the distractions in your life. So let's go a little deeper into these three things so you can find out if any of these issues are what's keeping you from hearing the voice of God, clearly. Jesus goes on to explain the story we read earlier for those who didn't quite get it. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that he took the time to explain the parable to us. So let's read that. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So let's call this issue right here the polluted heart, because the main way the devil steals God's word from us is through shame and guilt. And these two things block us from hearing God's voice. 
You see, one of our core values here is we don't waste one moment in regret because we believe that our new life in Jesus is more powerful than any mistake we've made and any mistake we will make. Often we get stuck in the belief that walking around in regret somehow pays for our mistakes. We're showing God that we're sorry, right? But we see that it does none of that. All it does is put a wall up between us and God because we're rejecting his forgiveness and letting the devil steal God's word from us. Don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating a sloppy life where we intentionally live contrary to God's word and become numb to the things that we're doing wrong and don't change. What I'm advocating is repentance, where sin is recognized, and you pivot 180 degrees and go the other way. And don't just leave the sin behind, but you leave the shame, the guilt, and the regret behind with it. James 1.21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. If your seeds are falling on the footpath, the answer is to repent. Maybe you've repented from some things, but not others. Regardless of what it is, and you know what it is, it's time to turn the other way. And like I said, don't just leave the sin behind. Leave the shame, the guilt, and the regret behind with it. You see, repentance is not a dirty word. It's a freedom word. It's not God condemning you for what you've done wrong. It's God providing a way out. It's your opportunity to turn from sin and run to God. It's not a bad thing, guys. Repentance is a good thing. Okay, so maybe that one spoke to you. The polluted heart is exactly what you're dealing with, and now you know what to do. But if that first one didn't hit you, don't worry. We got two more. So let's keep reading. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. So here's a prime example. You receive the word on Sunday, and you're really, really excited about it. And then you walk out the door, and you forget all about it. Don't worry. It's happened to all of us. Any any witnesses in the room? (laughs) So we're going to call this second issue the immature heart. So things at my house right now are really interesting. I have a three-year-old girl that tops the growth charts, and I have a one-year-old girl that barely even registers on the growth charts. So when they play together, it kind of looks like this. I don't know if you can read that at the top. It says sharing a bed with a toddler, and that is so true right there too because Leanna tries to come to my bed about every morning, and that's what it's like. You see, the other night, Beth went out to dinner with one of her friends, and I was watching the girls. And I was on the phone with Chris Wills, and we were trying to talk about the discipleship program. And before I know it, Leanna, our three-year-old, has a rag around Adeline's neck, and is pulling it tight. And Adeline's, like, kind of screaming, you know, and I'm like, Leanna, we don't put things around Sissy's neck. Leanna, stop pushing your sister over. Leanna, are you listening? Look right here. Look at Daddy. Leanna, can you please pick up your banana peel off the floor and put it in the trash like you did yesterday? At which point, Leanna runs off and does something else, right? So this is a great illustration of what the Christian life looks like when we're not yet mature in our faith. Yesterday, we did what God told us to do, but today, today I'm going to do what I want to do. 
You see, I'm saved. I'm good. I'm just going to do my thing. It's understandable that we start out that way, but God expects us to mature. I mean, let's fast forward a few years. Imagine Leanna coming over as an adult and leaving her banana peel on the floor. I don't know. Maybe you guys have grown kids that still do that. I sure hope not. When we stay immature, we never give God a chance to go deeper and, re- and reveal his amazing, limitless plan he has for our lives because he's too busy trying to keep us from pushing over our fellow believers and putting a rag around their neck and trying to choke them out. We gossip, we complain, we get mad, we refuse to forgive. We try to tell other people how they should live their lives, but we're not willing to take correction ourselves. And here's the deal. When we're immature, we blame the fact that we can't hear God on God. It's his fault, and we have nothing to do with it. We blame our struggles on our mom and dad. They didn't raise us right. We blame our mistakes at work on our coworkers. They didn't give me what I needed. An immature heart is an irresponsible heart. Nothing is my fault. I don't need to change. You do. So how do we mature? Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. So there's three things we need to do in order to mature. And number one is own it. No more blame game. Your life is your responsibility. And it's up to you to get rid of the things slowing you down. Number two, surround yourself with people of faith. Stop spending your time with people who gossip and complain and blame and start spending your time with those who are mature in their faith. And number three, focus on Jesus because you can't mature on your own. So hook up with Jesus and let him lead the way. So now that you know how to mature, let's move on to the third thing that Jesus says keeps us from hearing from God. The seeds that fell among the thorns or the weeds represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So how many of you have tried to grow a weed? You don't have to try. They just show up, right? When you see your neighbor's lawn covered in weeds, what, makes, what does that make you think? They're probably distracted or busy. They have other priorities, right? Well, actually, Beth and I are these neighbors. We don't have weeds in our lawn because we have it treated, but our flower bed, that's another story. Well, at least until we paid our nephew to come over yesterday and pull all the weeds out of it. So it's looking good right now. So the good news is our neighbors do give us a pass because they see that we have two small kids and Beth is pregnant again. So, and trust me, when people see us for the first time, they first see our two girls. Oh my, how cute, your girls are so cute. And then they just happen to look down at Beth's belly, her pregnant belly, And they immediately move to the pity mode. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, yes. (laughs) Kids can definitely distract you from other things, like pulling weeds out of the garden. But the question here is, what distracts us from hearing the voice of God? You know, several years ago, Beth and I subscribed to Netflix. Like, I'm sure probably everybody in this room probably has subscribed to Netflix. And we found uh, a few TV series that we really like. White Collar. Leverage, Last Man Standing, anybody? Travelers, Lost in Space, anybody watch that one? You know, it's really crazy. Once you get pulled into a show that you like, it's really hard to stop watching it. You stay up too late because you want to see just one more episode 
which turns into just one more episode, and then it's midnight, right? And then you spend your whole day looking forward to the evening where you get to watch one more episode. And then you even start to dream about this show. Can anybody relate? Yeah. So just a few months ago, Beth and I both started to feel this gentle tug to leave the TV off at night and spend our time doing something else. We'd succeed here and there doing that, but then we'd get really tired, as you do with young children, and we would sit in front of the TV and let our minds go numb and watch some more TV. But the more we followed that little tug to turn off Netflix, the more we realized the benefit of turning it off. So for at least about a month now, I think we've watched maybe one TV show over that month, and it lost its appeal, like it really wasn't that exciting to us anymore. With that time opened up, the Lord is leading us down a path of growth. So some nights we're watching sermons from other churches and growing spiritually. Other nights we're studying real estate investing and growing financially. And then other nights we just sit and we talk to each other and grow our relationship. Because all you parents with small kids know that the only time you can talk to each other is when the kids go to bed, right? So I tell you this story because I'm beginning to realize how much Netflix is a distraction to pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And not just Netflix, but Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and anything else that you do on your phone. We love our phones. We love our TVs. And it's hard to tell them no. At the end of a hard work day, we deserve some mind-numbing TV, right? (laughs) And when we have a quiet moment, it's our duty to pull out our phone and connect with the world, right? You see, this isn't an attack on you because I'm right there with you, and I bet every single person in this room can relate with what's going on in our culture today. But how long are we going to let it continue? How long are we going to limit what God wants to do in our lives because of these distractions? To hear God's voice, you must turn down the world's volume. And this may, ba- this may sound a bit extreme, but how much better would our lives be if we turned off the world's volume? By leaving the TV off at night and turning our phones off when we didn't need them for work. You see, Beth and I, we kicked evening TV to the curb, and it was really hard at first. And it was weird, yeah, for sure. And even after doing it for a month, there's still times I'd rather just chill and watch something on TV. But I never regret choosing the alternative. It's kind of like going to work out. Like, you really don't want to do that. But you go and you work out, and afterwards you're like, man, I feel good. I feel fit. You know? So, what is your biggest distraction? And what are you going to do to turn it down so that you can hear God's voice more clearly? So we've worked our way through the three things that Jesus tells us in Luke 8 that keep us from hearing from God. Number one was the polluted heart. Number two was the immature heart. And number three, the distracted heart. But there's one more thing that he talks about. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. You see, good-hearted people are those who've put in the effort to prepare their heart. They've left silt, shame, shilt, did I say that? They left guilt, sin, shame, condemnation in the past. They've surrounded themselves by people of faith so that they can mature. They're constantly hunting to kill the things that are distracting them from hearing God's voice. 
And when they hear God's word, they cling to it because they know it's truth. And they know, and they know that it holds the power to change their lives. And those who prepare their hearts produce a huge harvest. And notice that it says, patiently. Because a prepared heart doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. And it's something we'll be doing for the rest of our lives. I imagine that most of us could identify with one or more of the three things we talked about today that keep us from hearing God's voice. So how do we turn it around and prepare our hearts to hear God more clearly? The first step is to repent. Remember, repentance is not a dirty word. It's a freedom word. It's not God condemning you for what you've done wrong. It's God providing a way out. So if you're headed the wrong direction, don't sweat it. Just turn 180 degrees and go the other way. Run towards God. So the second step is to refocus. Make a choice to trade some TV time for growth time. Make church a priority because you understand the importance of surrounding yourself by people of faith. And if you have a big change to make in this area, don't sweat it. Just get started. Make a change and allow God to work. He'll walk with you through the change. And he's, gosh, he's real patient. If I think back, I, I, the Lord was probably trying to pull me away from Netflix like years ago. And it took me that long to be like, okay, well, let me give it a shot and see what happens, you know? Because you always wake up with good intentions. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to do Netflix tonight. And then the day's over and you're tired and you're like, I'm going to do Netflix tonight because I'm really tired. And the last step is to renew. Ask God to come in and make all things new and give you a fresh start. Leave the past behind, leave mistakes behind, and press forward into newness. Check out this scripture. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles us or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. You know, I've spent a lot of my time distracted. Distracted with ambition. Distracted with work. Distracted with Netflix. And I even spent a few years of my life distracted with a sexual addiction. But today, I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. And when I look back at my past, I don't feel guilt, guilt again. I don't feel guilt, shame, and regret. I don't feel any of that. But if I rewind like a few years ago, when I wasn't this close to Jesus, I felt all of those things because of what I did in my past. I was ashamed to think of what I did, you know? I'm sure you guys can relate to that. You see, the devil's plan is to keep you from drawing closer to Jesus because of what you've done. Because the more space that you put between you and Jesus, the more your life is going to be consumed with guilt, shame, and regret. You may feel like if you go to Jesus with what you've done, you're going to scare him to death. But he's already seen it. And you probably think he's going to rake you over the coals. But that's not what happens. He's waiting for you with open arms to take your guilt, to take your shame, and to throw it away. Because when you leave the past in the past is whenever you can press forward into new beginnings.